In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing calming tempers using verbal de-escalation. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Relieving Tensions. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. We have a good one today. It's James 1, verse 19 and 20, and it reads like this. Wherefore, my beloved brethren... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Great verse for us today because this is verbal de-escalation God's way, right? It's being swift to hear, really paying attention, active listening. We're going to be discussing that. We're going to talk about slow to speak and also speaking slowly. Um, we're also going to be slow to wrath, maintaining our personal, you know, maintaining personal control, maintaining self-control during these high stress situations. So before I continue, I want to encourage you to share this video with your entire team and other staff and volunteers at your church that might need to learn something about verbal de-escalation and then go down in the description below and get the show notes because it's a summary of this program and it gives you some talking points for later conversations. So make sure you get a copy of that. All right, so let's talk about the news here. Um, now, as you probably could guess, there's not a lot of stories about safety teams using verbal de-escalation, but there's a lot with law enforcement. So they're going to kind of be our proxy in these stories here. So this first one is Hyattsville, Maryland, March 12, 2021. Hyattsville police responded to a 911 call from a convenience store. A man in the store was angry, agitated, and generally incoherent. Officers observed that the man was in emotional and mental health crisis. The man was sitting on the floor, so one officer sat down with him while the others made space for them. The officer on the floor kept, um, kept him kept calm, and um, even in the face of verbal abuse. So the officer is maintaining personal control here, despite what this guy is saying to him. The man, the man eventually calmed down and let officers have his cell phone. The officer called the family, and they came and took him. Great example here of successful verbal de-escalation. It didn't require having to put your hands on him. Um, it didn't require an arrest. It didn't require anything other than time. Exercising patience, listening, and talking to him. Great verbal de-escalation. Next one, Laredo, Texas, January 13th, 2021. Uh, police responded to a 911 domestic disturbance call. Arriving at the home, they were informed that one of the parties was leaving in a pickup truck. They radioed this information and the description of the truck. A few blocks away, other officers spotted the suspect's vehicle and made a traffic stop. Approaching the driver's door, they saw the man holding a knife to his neck. He threatened to kill himself if they tried to arrest him. The officers established a security perimeter around the vehicle and called for a negotiator. The negotiator was able to build a rapport with the driver. Um, he got him to throw the knife to the, to the ground and get out of his truck. Officers took him to the local hospital for mental evaluation and treatment. 
Here's one where verbal de-escalation really wasn't going to work very well. So what they did is they created that security perimeter and then called in a negotiator. In our, in our situation, what this probably looks like is this. Somebody's in my mental crisis. Maybe they're talking gibberish. It's craziness. You can tell that it's not necessarily anger and all those other things that we have to be concerned about. We're talking somebody with mental health crisis here. And so you create that safety perimeter, that security perimeter, and then you call in the big guns. So for us, that's calling in law enforcement, right? And now one of the things I want to mention about that security perimeter, that safety perimeter, is that perimeter is not about keeping them there. It's about keeping people safe. And so if they want to leave, great, right? <laughs> if they want to walk outside and leave the, you know, the sanctuary or they want to leave the lobby and go outside or whatever, then by all means, let them do that. You're not holding them there. You're keeping everybody else safe. I hope that makes sense. All right. Next story. Uh, Miami, Florida, May 19th, 2021. A police officer on patrol stopped to investigate something suspicious. He heard a noise and turned and saw a man trying to open the car door. The officer approached the man and asked what he was doing. And he replied back, I'm trying to steal stuff, um, quote unquote. He used a different word as a reply. Um, when the man, um, then the man, with some object in his hand, approached the officer, yelling and threatening to kill him. The officer ordered him to drop whatever he had um, in his hands. Um, the man kept moving forward and the officer who... Um, move slowly backward. Finally, the officer used a taser. The points um, got caught in the man's loose clothing, so the effect was minimal at best. A bystander was yelling at the man to calm down. When backup arrived, the officers commanded the man to lie down, but he did not listen, and they um, closed in around him and restrained him. Turns out the suspect was homeless and trying to get arrested so he could have a meal, a shower, and a bed for the night. Some of the things I want to bring out in this story is this, is notice when the officer is there alone, he's stalling for time. He's, now he's still using his command voice, telling him to drop, right? Because this guy is you know, possibly presenting a deadly force situation. But he's talking to him, he's giving him commands, and he's walking backwards slowly, and he's stalling for time because he knows he has backup coming. And that's a big, that's a big lesson for us in the church is sometimes that's all we're doing. We're stalling for time until the police can get there and take care of the situation. The other thing that this officer teaches us with the use of the taser, and I'm not gonna get into taser failing. Well, maybe I should a little bit. Tasers are great unless they don't work, right? And so this is one of the many reasons I'm a fan of defensive spray, especially in Northern states or places with lot people were wearing a lots of clothing that taser's not going to work sometimes. It's going to get hung up in the clothing. It's not going to get that contact. Defensive spray, though, you spray it in the guy's face. Unless his face is covered, his eyes are covered, you can spray him in the face with it. But anyway, getting back to what I really wanted to talk to you about was the officer was prepared to defend himself if necessary. And so we need to do, do the same thing. We're stalling for time but we're also preparing ourselves mentally and maybe even getting the proper tool in our hand to defend ourselves should it go south. The other thing that I like about this story is 
based on how it's told, the officer did not use force until it was necessary to use force. Because once again, if the taser fails, if that use of force fails, now you're in a fight. And so we want to make sure that we're stalling for as much time as possible, but we will be, we will defend ourselves if necessary. The other thing is verbal de-escalation doesn't always work, right? So ultimately when his backup arrived and he continued to be aggressive and we still didn't know what was in his hand and all that kind of stuff, um, once they had enough officers there, they took him down. Now, once again, we're stalling for time. We want the cops to do that, but there may be situations where the only way to protect your congregation, protect your team members, and even protect the, the, this person in mental crisis, you got to take them down. Um, so you always have to be ready to put your hands on them. Next one and last one. This is Robbins, Illinois, uh, November 11, 2019. Now, here's a situation where... <clears throat> After it occurred, the public demanded police be taught um, verbal de-escalation, and that verbal de-escalation should have been used in this situation. However, I don't see that their example, this story, would have caused that. So you're going you're gonna to hear it in a minute here. So <clears throat> six unruly drunk men had been escorted out of a nightclub in a Chicago suburb. Uh, one returned with a handgun and began firing. A security guard forced the shooter outside and down to the pavement, knocking his gun away. There, he held the gunman down at gunpoint, waiting for police. Police from another suburb responded. It was dark, and the security lettering on the front of the guard's um, black vest and his cap could not be seen from the side. The officer um, reportedly commanded the guard to drop his gun, but it's uncertain whether the guard heard him and understood him because of the noise coming from the club. The officer fired, killing the guard. So what I want to do with this one is I want to put us all of us in the different positions at different times. Let's first put ourselves in the shoes, if you will, of the security guard. You know, at this point, you're the hero, right? This guy's shooting. Um, you're able to take him down, you're holding him at gunpoint, and the police are on the way. Now, there's a lot of things that this security guard or their partner or somebody who worked at the club, anyone, could have helped reduce the possibility of this occurring. The first thing that they could have done is this. Once that person was secured and being held at gunpoint, somebody should have called 911 and informed them that we have, you know, we have plain clothes security officer has taken, you know, has stopped the bad guy and is holding them at gunpoint. Now, and, and the hopes in that, depending on time frame, that information is going to be broadcast to all the cops that are responding. And so now, at least in the cop's head, hopefully, they, uh, they say, okay, plainclothes security is on site, and they, they subdued the bad guy. This is good information. However, we can't guarantee that that will be dispatched out in time, and, um, and so we have to have a second plan. The second plan is this, is having a safety team member intercepting cops when they get there and saying, hey, we have plainclothes security guard has stopped the bad guy. They're holding him at gunpoint. This is something else, like inside the church. You can kind of see how this plays out. 
you know, one of your safety team members is holding a guy down at, at gunpoint, like the story we read not too long ago of that active shooter where the security guy, Usher, had to go run out and get his gun and come back. Um, but <clears throat> you could have a safety team member at the door when the police show up and say, hey, we have plainclothes safety members holding them at gunpoint in the lobby. I'll show you where it is. <clears throat> Once again, we're trying to get the cops, we're trying to let them know what's going on sooner than later. <clears throat> the other thing that the security guard could have done is a black shirt that says security on it in the dark is not a very effective way of notifying people who you are. Not only that, people just buy these things. Have you just seen people walking around with security shirt? I don't know why they think it's cool, but they just walk around. They're in Walmart. You know, like, why are you wearing a security shirt in Walmart? You're clearly not security. You're just some schmo here to buy hot dogs. Um, so we need something better. And that's where a product, I don't have any association with them, is the Don't Shoot Me banners. So essentially what it is, it's a Miss America banner. It's in that bright blaze orange or whatever, that bright orange color. And then it has reflective letters on it that says security. And it's very easy to wrap over your head. It goes across your chest. It goes across your back. And like I said, it's yellow. It's reflective. People are going to see it. So it's just one more thing that we could consider for our armed safety team members to have one of these on their belt. They sell it in a nice little pack, and you just pull it out. The other thing is if you have women at your church, or I, maybe I shouldn't say women, um, if you have people that are really good at sewing and stuff like that, you could even make these kind of banners. You just got to get the materials and sew on the letters, and you could put it together yourself. You don't need to buy this product, but you could. I mean, it was their idea. Maybe um, reward them for that. But anyway, having that security banner. Now let's put you in the position of the police officer. You're responding to some place on, on the church because of a shooting, Right. There was, you know, maybe you're standing in the lobby and you hear gunfire. Or maybe it's all of a sudden the children's section. Or maybe if you're a church with a second building, they, the radio cracks open. You know, shots fired. You know, we're getting shot at. You know, whatever. Lockdown, lockdown. Now you're running into that situation. And you see somebody you don't know holding a gun on another person. Now you have a, a fraction of a second to make a decision here. You could, one, shoot, and you're you may be taking out a bad guy. You may take out a good guy who's defending himself. You don't know. That's one option. The other option is to yell like this officer allegedly did. Yell, drop the gun. The thing is, is this. is Can you imagine being in that moment where you're that security guard <clears throat> and you're holding a gun, you know, somebody at gunpoint? Don't you think you're kind of in the zone? And so how many times are you going to have to hear, drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the grunt, for your brain to pick up what you're hearing, process it, and then take some sort of action, as an example, dropping the gun. It takes time. But now in the cop's position, so as a guard, I would say, you better be listening for that. You know, if you can holster, if the police are on the way and the radio comes alive from the guy who's intercepting the cops as the police are here, if you can at all holster your weapon, by all means holster the weapon. If suddenly you hear drop the gun, drop the gun, you need to be listening for that and drop it immediately. Your hands, so be mentally prepared to just drop that weapon in a second. Um, 
But going back to that officer, now you're yelling that command to drop the gun, drop the gun. You're, I mean, and you're now taking time that could result in somebody getting killed by a bad guy. The other thing that you have to consider is will that bad guy now turn his attentions to you? So you come drop the gun and he spins and now he's shooting at you and you're involved in a shootout. So <clears throat> there's a lot of things that can to consider here. Environmental factors, you know, all, all these, you know, the verbal commands you're giving, there's a lot of things in this. And so the reason I tell you this story is can you see how complex all of this becomes very quickly? And there's actually hundreds of factors, if not thousands of little factors that are are speaking to you to hint or clue you in on what might be the best action to take. So anyway, so let's get on with the show here. What we want to do and what I want to really talk to you guys about today is the using verbal de-escalation as a way of controlling people. So one of, in our course, if you take in our course, um, one of the things we talk about is the most important thing is kind of keeping those lines of communication open, right? So one of the things that I kind of recommend is this, is when you first approach that situation, we're not sneaking up on them, we're approaching in a nice way, we're being very friendly, calm, we're thinking about our body language, we're thinking about our facial expressions. Uh, one of the things I would often do when I got to a scene, I worked dog shift most of the time, and the first thing out of my mouth when I approached a house or knocked on a door talking to people, first contact with people, I would be very calm and I would say, hey, you know, or hi, you know, what's going on tonight? Or in your case, hi, what's going on? You just ask that. And what's going to end up happening is they're just going to open their mouth and just a flood of stuff is going to come at you. It's very important to listen to that because in that first flood of words thrown your way, it, they're going to be talking about the thing that's most upsetting to them. And that's key because later we're going to want to address that. So I would say, hi, what's going on? And then they say stuff. Then my response back oftentimes would be like, I'm really sorry to hear that. Is there any way that I can help you? You know, assuming it wasn't a crime. But you, you get my point. This is the church now. It's just say, hey, what's going on? They tell you. I'm sorry to hear that. Is there any, any way I can help you? Now, one or two things is going to happen. Either they're going to say, yes, you can help you, me. I need this and that and the other thing or whatever it is. At that point, you know, you ask them their name and now you're just having this conversation with them and you're working towards that solution together and getting them calmed down and stuff. <clears throat> if, if they tell you off, which is also a possibility, that's when you say to them something to the effect of, hey, I'm with the safety team, assuming you're not well marked. Either way, I'm with the safety team, and if you're going to continue yelling, you're going to have to take this outside. And once again, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to go outside, you're going to be able to convince them to go outside, which is good, or it's just going to, now you're still in this verbal situation with them where they're yelling, screaming, and they're not cooperating. At that time, you're just engaging them in conversation. You're, you're trying to show empathy to them, listening to what they say, and, and just ask them questions about what they're saying. Not, in a, not accusatory, not in an interrogation kind of way, but what you're wanting to do is, you know, when I told you the first thing that comes out of their mouth is the most, most emotional part of it, it's going to be a very short story. And so I'm going to try to get this on the camera right. Then 
when you ask them some more questions, they'll expand on that. But oftentimes they'll go back to that most emotional part. And then you ask them some more questions and they're expanding on the story. And what's good about that is this, is you can, if, if that's what's happening, at first it's super stressful, yelling, anger, all that kind of stuff. Then they come down a little bit in their emotions because now they're engaging their cognitive part of their brain and they're able to give you more details and more details and more details until you get towards the bottom where you have a very detailed story um, from the start to the end of the incident. And so that made them mad or upset or whatever the deal is. And that's a very good sign if they're able to do that. They start to calm down. They can start focusing on those additional details. Now, one word about active listening that I want to hit real quick is this. You need to listen to their story in such a way that you're able to tell their story to somebody else later. So to give you an example, apparently last week, you know, Doug, you know, been working for ABC, you know, manufacturing for like 10 years. And last week he made a mistake and it cost the company some money and he got fired. And so now he's afraid that you can't pay the mortgage, you can't pay the car, which means the car will probably get impounded. And that means he won't be able to get a job, transport to and from work and all that kind of stuff. Plus he's got a wife and two kids and you know, April's 11 and Bobby's eight. And the wife, her name is Sarah. And they've been married for, you know, 15 years. Um, when Sarah found out that he lost his job, he feels like she's holding it against him. And um, she's been really kind of giving him the silent treatment. And today at church, she said, shouldn't you be looking for a job instead of being here? And that blew up. And now they're yelling and screaming at each other. You should have those kind of details along the way. Now, once again, it takes time to get all those details. And, and you're really getting those details as they're coming down in their emotional level. So make sure you're actively listening good enough to be able to write a good report later, quite honestly. So I know we covered a lot um, and we recovered it fast. Keep in mind that verbal de-escalation course that we have is actually a two-hour course. And we've just been talking here for about 22 minutes. And so there's so much more there. So I would really encourage you, if you haven't gone through our verbal de-escalation course, you might want to check that out. It is part of our um, safety member certification. Um, so go check that out. You can learn so much more here. Other staff, other volunteers can also get trained if you're doing that uh, team safety member certification. Um, it can really help you. And uh, we get a little bit more down in the weeds with that. Other than that, if you like this video, you know, please like, comment. So if you know how algorithms work, when you like something, it tells YouTube that you like this kind of stuff. So it's going to suggest more videos like this. Um, and then it's also then going to suggest it to other people like you that they also might like this video. And so it's not only good for your algorithm of what you're seeing, but it also helps other people that are looking for this kind of stuff. And then also kind of behind the scenes, I look at how many people watch these videos, how many people comment and like, and uh, it kind of, it's a good indicator to me what you guys want to talk about, what, you, what things you want to hear. So please like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Other than that, thank you so, for, so much for joining us this week, and hey, let's be careful out there.
This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.